Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. All right, everybody. It is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. And today is the day after a very, very horrible uh, situation down in Texas Elementary School. Uh, 19 young children, elementary school children in the same classroom, 19 classmates, uh, two teachers were murdered um, by a deranged shooter. Uh, young man, 18 years old. Um, we don't know enough of his story to speak uh, about him particularly. I believe he shot his grandmother uh, prior to going on the shooting spree at the elementary school. Um, apparently his grandmother survived, so it'll be interesting to hear what comes from her. Um, but in in typical Steve fashion, we're going to talk about this subject from a different angle than what you'll often hear on other mainstream programs and, quite frankly, even other alternative media programs. You know, I'm a father. Let me just say everything up front before we, um, before we go further. I'm a father. Um, I have uh, five boys, four girls, um, two that are in elementary school now, and um, two that are in high school. The others have all graduated. Most have graduated college and are, I'm a grandfather, <laughs> you know, uh, et cetera. But I've taken the angle for many years that the only kind of um, murder and death in this country that we, we really are willing to address seems to be either war or at the tip of a gun. And as a result, we end up focusing on the end of the equation, if you will, the end of the sequence, the end of the process, the end of you know this situation whatever it is that manifests and you know i'm not into dismissing the actions of uh you know of of anyone i'm not into to doing any of that okay um obviously um Bullying has come out, and there's a bunch of stories that'll start coming out, and they're all valid. Every one of them is valid in its own way. They're not complete, let's be fair. None of them are complete. Um, but they're all, they're all, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
they're all they're all valid things to talk about they're all valid every see when you have a dialectical perspective when you look at things from multiple angles especially a materialist perspective when you think about the current the, the environment from which all these things spread forth you know there's one angle that looks at the final solution which is the gun the gun created um you know, the gun shot the bullet and therefore the kids died because of the gun. Um, but I think I've been fairly consistent over the last decade. I think if anybody checks my tape, you'll see that I have been almost like a metronome in terms of my focus and understanding um, the root cause, root cause. I always talk about these things as putting band-aids on heart attacks because we're focusing on the final piece. We're not focusing on, um, we're not focusing on causes. We're not focused on why these things even happen. We're not focused on how to really truly prevent the problems that are happening, not only in this country, in inside each one of us, I think we all know something's wrong. I think we all know something is wrong. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and talk about mental illness right now because mental illness tends to be kind of like a, a catch-all phrase, right? It tends to be this kind of thing where, um, you know, we know mental illness is a very real thing. Um, and we know that we have shit for healthcare in this country, but that's, that's still, you, you could almost say that's a kind of a symptom of the problem as well. And I, and I want to show you something here. Um, this is a, a kind of a, a look at something from a slightly different perspective. And I'm going to add this in i'm not going to spend a lot of time on it but i want to give you a perspective of um of where i'm coming from but before i do it let me go ahead and just read off some of the particulars about this particular shooting and then i'm going to jump to the point of my um my stream here so right here if you look at this this is the cnn version of the world and it's as good as any other crap mainstream publication i'm not worried about biden showing up there i'm not worried about the majority leader worried you know to urge to work with democrats on gun reform all this stuff is important at some level but i think it's kind of crazy it's like what we know they've got information out there about the Evalde, texas uh folks and all the people you know talk about the victims and and this is important you know we should understand this this guy, Salvador Ramos, who's dead, um, you know, this, this right here is one of the key things I pulled from all this is the fact that his grandmother is alive. She was hospitalized in critical condition late Tuesday. Um, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of, of factors here, and you can get really wrapped around the axle about all of them. Um, I have the link to this inside of uh the uh the youtube uh description of course there's your ar-15 we knew that was probably going to be the deal so there's so much low-hanging fruit okay 
there's so much low hanging fruit and they go through here and there's been 213 mass shootings in 2022 alone okay this is the 30th shooting at a k-12 through school in 2022 alone okay and and so you can go through all this stuff and i think this again this right here is very important right here so i think that we'll find out more information as she comes out and i think that's important to understand i think that his motives and so forth are important to understand that said that said i'm going to go ahead and skip past this i'm going to remove this share and i'm going to share something that i guarantee you most are not going to talk about unfortunately and I'm hoping that as you look at this stuff, that it starts to make sense to you where I'm coming from. Again, I'm used to people not seeing it my way because I take a decidedly heterodox view of things. Um, but this right here, this right here is a important academic paper. And there's a lot of articles on this as well. Okay. Lots of articles on this. Mental health challenges related to neoliberal capitalism in the United States. Okay. It's like rate of mental illness have increased dramatically over the past 15 years. Okay. Uh, you know, opioid uh, addiction, you know, alcoholism, you name it. And, and, and they put all this stuff out there so that you understand this is not new. But this is a out, an outcome of something more pivotal. And most people don't relate these things because it's not, I see a gun, I hear a bullet, I see a bullet, I see a dead person. Okay, gun's bad, be done. I do not own a gun. I, do, I am not a gun advocate in any way, shape, or form. But I do know that gun control has a deep history in racist policing that's intended to take guns out of black and brown and poor people's hands. Okay? and and. Again, for whatever it's worth, just know the motives for gun control have typically not been to protect and serve. They've been reactionary behaviors that fail to once again understand the core root of the problems. I'm going to read just this initial part and then I'm going to get to my case here. The past 15 years, antidepressant use has increased in the United States by nearly 65%. From 2017 to 2018, 19% of adults in the United States experience a mental illness, an increase of 1.5 million when compared with the previous year. And mind you, this is going back to 19. This is not our current state doesn't really take in COVID, et cetera, and all the stuff that came out of that. These do not include the increases in distress. Oh, I guess it does. After COVID-19, good. They did add that, which has resulted in heightened rates of moderate to severe depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. Additionally, life expectancy, which has increased yearly since 1918, has decreased over the past several years in the United States due to dramatic rise in deaths from suicide, alcoholism, and drug overdoses. Over the past decade, Several economists, journalists, sociologists, and mental health practitioners have posited that the increases in mental illness and distress are due to neoliberal economic policies and ideologies. In the book Selfish Capitalist, 
Psychologist Oliver James found that twice as many people suffer from an emotional distress in English-speaking nations that have adapted neoliberal capitalist policies when compared to the people in Western European nations, which did not. Uh, he also notes the rapid increase in, in emotional distress in the United States since the 1980s when the country began to implement neoliberal policies such as eliminating restrictions on the trade market and cutting social services. Economic policies such as deregulation of industry and decreased public sector spending started in the 80s and have spawned wealth inequality, mass incarceration, and job insecurity, which all contribute to emotional distress. Uh, additionally, economic and social policies created a change in ideology favoring individualism, materialism, and competitiveness, which are not compatible with human needs, such as social connection and community leading to anxiety and depression. Furthermore, through poor access to mental health care due to the for-profit health care system and the medicalization of emotional distress due to the rise of biological psychiatry, how we treat mental illness in the United States has contributed to the rising rate of anxiety and depression. This article will explain the economic and social tenets of neoliberalism and how they exacerbate emotional distress. Additionally, this article will discuss how neoliberalism has affected the mental health care system further, contributing to the rise in mental illness. Lastly, there'll be a discussion about how we as mental health providers can advocate for systemic change. And it goes into neoliberalism, as you can see, and, and it's quite good. And I'm going to put this into the chat for you all, um, put this into the chat for you guys. Um, and, and I'm going to stop sharing for a minute. And this is all going to be from the heart because my receipts are long, folks. I, I take no pride in that. In fact, I feel pain that I have so many receipts from being on this train for so long and not having made an impact in terms of the narrative, in terms of people being able to repeat this stuff on their own. Um, I feel tremendous shame that I have not been more successful and advancing this knowledge and advancing these thoughts. Because every time I see somebody get into symptoms, they're, they're going after, uh, the, it's like the, the end stage, the final thing. It's like the kid that, that punches somebody in class after they've been tormented and tormented and tormented and tormented and tormented. You want to get shitty about the kid punching somebody after that? How many kids in this country die every year as a direct result of family splitting up and, and suicides or, or murder suicides themselves? How many kids die from not having the right nourishment or living in conditions where violence in the streets is all too, um, too normal and stray bullets fly? It's not just the bullets, folks. It's the drug use. It's and and I I'm here to tell you decriminalize drugs, get legalize everything. I I'm not here to stand in the way of that. The issue isn't that. The issue is the underlying thing that makes these things seem like the path forward, like the only answer. There is no alternative as a neoliberal construct. And there's so much. Please, folks, if you think I'm lying, and I hope to God that I have developed enough rapport with you that. I've got enough receipts that you trust me when I tell you there is study after study after study out there 
There is article after article after article out there explaining how neoliberalism has created little, little independent silo bots, individualists all the way. Seeing people become Bitcoiners is a form of that. You all don't even realize how much the neoliberal construct is being ignored now because a few people that were once activists made a few bucks on it. And then everybody stops fighting for the collective solutions and starts trying to get theirs. I'm disgusted that we have not been able to make any of this stick because there's a saying, and I learned it in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and quite frankly, Narcotics Anonymous. And that is that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Okay. And when you understand that hurt people, hurt people. It changes you fundamentally. Fundamentally, you start realizing, oh shit. So you mean when people are hurt, right? It's not to excuse the violence. It's not to excuse any of that stuff. What it is is to say, hey, listen, if you pour gas on a fire, chances are it's going to get bigger, right? And you're saying, hey, look, if a kid's bullied constantly in school, you know, that kid may very well start developing some pretty unhealthy habits. And when life is just that much more hard to live, when neoliberalism starts crushing your soul and crushing down on you, and you're one of the lucky ones, that somehow or another snap. This is not a mental illness thing in the traditional sense. Our society is breeding people to be sick through nutrition, through the stuff we ingest through the mass media, through our own pain and suffering, through the neoliberal constructs that bring about austerity and bring about hopelessness. This is going to happen over and over again, folks. You can take away the guns, but down in Charlotte, when the guy takes a truck and runs through a crowd and kills people, you're going to see similar type things. It's not, the, the issue isn't the weapon. What about austerity and all the death it breeds? Why are we not up in arms about that as well? Why do we not see it's all part of the same sick system that keeps producing death, violence, and despair? You know, we talk about lesser evil voting, and we see people advancing neoliberals. Joe Biden is a neoliberal. And when you think about the fact that even Donald Trump was a neoliberal and neoliberalism is the process of ripping away the good and privatizing it for one person's gain at the expense of the many. Once you realize, really, really fucking realize that. You stop making excuses 
that neoliberals are somehow or another a lesser of two evils. And you start realizing they're both neoliberals and they're both advancing austerity and they're both going to do the very things that create hopelessness. Now, it just depends on which party's in office, I guess, as to who's going to feel the hopelessness. But when you realize how many guns are already in society that are in bunkers with, you know, night vision goggles that are pistols with laser uh, pointers and, and, you know, fucking sites and, and magazine, all the, I don't even give a flying fuck about guns. I never have owned one. I never will own one. I don't want to own one. But when you think about it, then you pour in despair and austerity. And you've already got a group of people out there who hate the government, who think the government is feckless, and it is. Who think the government serves the wealthy, and it does. Who thinks that law enforcement only protects the moneyed interest of the capitalist, which it does. And then you see people finally snap. You see people finally snap. And it's so tough because on so many levels, you're like, there but by the grace of God go I. You know? I mean, I, I remember, distinctly remember, like it was yesterday, remember, being in high school and being tormented and teased and picked on relentlessly. by the kids that had money, by the, the cool kids that wore the guest jeans and you know had the nice shoes and went on the nice vacations and mommy and daddy gave them the nice fully renovated 69 Camaro or whatever. And you know all these kids that were privileged and them taunting and teasing the people that didn't have it. The kid that hadn't been so ruggedized and treated like shit forever that you know is is seems effeminate or maybe is more focused on reading and is taunted and teased about being a faggot and all the other stuff and then they snap i mean i know a lot of people that committed suicide and that is suicide by austerity in my opinion suicide by neoliberalism all the things that bring it up suicides come from this stuff and sometimes when we turn our hatred inward and we kill ourselves oh it's just such a shame and we just god if we could only prevent suicides but see we treat mental illness like it's the fault of the victim like it's the fault of the person like they're a bad person for being affected by the conditions that society imposes on them I, I mean, I, I don't even know how to begin to say that things are not going to change until we accept the base condition that I'm talking about here. Will there always be killers? Ah, uh, yeah, unfortunately. Will there always be these things? Absolutely. But the overriding issue, folks, we were in a pandemic. 
and we could not get our government to give us health care. Think about that. We were in a pandemic and we could not get our government to provide us with a federal job guarantee so people would have work in, as the economy went down. We have an existential climate crisis that we can't get our government to attack the fossil fuel industry and to bring about renewable energy so that we have a sustainable life. We have not made it easier on families at all. Families are struggling mightily. The pay for many jobs is the same today as it was in 1996. Think about that. Inflation has gone up hugely, but wages have stagnated for many, many years. Families are struggling. You will see more of these events happen. I'm telling you. As somebody loses something very vital in their lives, as someone feels the despair that neoliberal austerity breeds, and they don't see hope, you will see more violence. We commit violence in this neoliberal world throughout the world. The United States is steadily busy exporting this mental illness-driven economic system around the world, robbing countries that had traditionally been socialist or democratic socialists that have a strong, robust public commons, ripping it out of those countries. In the name of clearing markets for global capital. Now, if you don't understand what I'm saying, May I invite you to do some reading and really get up to speed on this? Because this is warfare. It's class war. It is environmental, you know, ecocide. It's mass murder on a scale none of us can fathom. But there's something tactile, like a good button on a a radio or something where you can feel the turn and push the button, you feel it click, that tactile feel, that thing that makes you realize, yes, I hit the button. There's something tactile to knowing that a gun killed a child, a child that should outlive their parents. Parents should never have to bury their kid, but here we are. It's tactile. We see it. It's got to be the worst possible thing, and it is. But it's just one of many weapons, one of many weapons used with great precision at some times and with blunt force shotgun scatter and others. I was on with Jordan Cheriton last night on Status Quo. And, uh, you know, both Jordan and I were both shaken up. It was, I mean, literally, if you look at the title of the thing, the, the video, it was two dead and 18 injured or something like that. that. That's how early we attacked this last night on Status Quo. 
But Jordan and I came from different places. Jordan was looking at this like, my God, we've got to institute gun control yesterday. And, you know, I took issue with it. Jordan and I, you know, it's not that it's not important to look at these sorts of things. But I have really come to believe that the race to the bottom that we're all in the middle of. This race to the bottom. It creates madmen. It creates people that feel no hope. It creates a form of precarity and fear, desperation, concern. Where do I go from here? Where am I going to find a job? How do I pay for my family? And you're looking at your kid there and you're thinking, you say, I can't tell them how scared I am of losing my job. I can't tell them how scared I am of not having a house over their head because they shouldn't have to bear the weight of that. They're a child. And inside that shit festers. Am I going to get laid off? What am I going to do if I get laid off? And then all of a sudden you start looking up. And there's there's rafters in the basement. And the voice is in your head saying, go ahead and do it. And you grab the rope and you throw it over the rafter and you hang yourself and you die. I know too many people that that have happened to. I have friends, God rest their souls, that committed suicide. I have one friend. He was a uh, Navy SEAL. He had been deployed many times. And he was my sponsor in recovery early on. He's dead now, so you know. Um, We would sit on his front porch smoking cigarettes. And uh, he would sometimes open up about all the people that he had killed with his bare hands on raids as a SEAL. Walking, you know, going through the water quietly, coming in there with a knife, grabbing them by the top of the head and slicing their throat. And he had to carry that inside of him day in and day out. And... uh one day he was in his backyard. He had his M16 he'd kept around forever. And his family was looking through the kitchen window and he blew his brains out in the backyard. Never forget it. These are all the same problem. They're all the same problem. We are left with scars and deep, deep insecurity. A, a type of insecurity that surpasses running from a Tyrannosaurus Rex constantly, you know, or running from lions in the wild or, or worrying about snakes in the grass. We're talking about man-made inequality that's intended to keep you down and Desperate, willing to accept whatever they throw at you. Now, did this kid come from poverty? I don't know. I can't answer that question. All I can answer is the conditions, the material conditions for the average person of the 99%. This is why fighting for Bernie Sanders was so much more than Bernie Sanders. Whether you like Bernie or not, those of us who are in the fucking movement, 
with the intent of changing the world, did so with a desperation, did so with a desperation that only people that know struggle could ever embark upon. And, you know, I remember when Bernie caved in and the first one, I was in tears. There's a video out there somewhere. People mocked me because I'm not afraid to cry on camera. Um, but they mocked me for, for being upset about it. And, you know, I was upset about Bernie, but I was really more upset for myself and my family because I know how evil right-wing austerity can be. I've lived it. I've experienced it. You know, I'd like to say that I would never do anything horrible. But I don't think anybody believes they're going to do something horrible. I don't believe people. I, I, don't get me wrong. There are people out there, I'm sure, that are bad people and whatever. I don't even know how you come up with a bad person. It, it's just shit happens, man. It warps your, your the, the, the wiring. You know, and, and, you know, I think to myself, you know, for the next six months, we're going to have a debate about gun control. We're going to victim blame the bullied that ends up finally lifting the gun. We're going to victim blame the dead. We're going to victim blame anybody that didn't have a gun. My God, what does it take to stop a shooter, another person with a gun on, on, and on, you know? And, and I think to myself, I worry desperately that the neolibs, because you see Schumer's already asking for gun control. Not to say that there's not merit in it. It's just not the root. It's not the root. And they have rejected all the possible solutions at the root. They've rejected all of them. Now a poor person's only choice right now is to go into the military. Now a poor person's decisions end up being held against them forever. You know, God help you if you get a felony, you're checked out of the economy. Everything, everything is stacked against us. Everything. So when you see things, you know, kind of pushing through, you know, like, like water in a dam as you watch the dam start popping and squirting water out and all the other stuff. That's kind of what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a fucking powder keg of pressure, a powder keg of desperation of there is no alternative of false scarcity of, you know, everything is a, like, we're not even talking about vicarious living through bad, evil, headlines we're talking about every day is another day of of pain and misery it doesn't have to be that way right it just doesn't have to be that way you know let me let me here. I'm going to put this up here. Paul, I hope you don't think that I'm calling you out here, brother. I want to show this comment here so I can explain myself. Had the shooter had many of the shooters throughout time not done the shooting, 
and been somehow or another stopped in advance of doing it. Somehow or another, whatever, some miracle, they got stopped before they did it. And you hear about whatever is going through their head right then. You stop them. They're not killing anybody. They're just the miserable, destitute person that they were in that moment before. Would you think of them as a victim? If you found out that they were bullied by rich kids in school, calling them a faggot and call them a weak-ass bitch and teasing them about their clothes and teasing them about their hair and teasing them about their voice and teasing them about the zits, telling girls they shouldn't date them because they're a fag, tell, you know, whatever, whatever thing evil, cruel fuck faces do. Okay. Would you consider that person a bully? Right. Of a victim? Yes. So my point here is, is that these things are the final straw. We focus on this final thing and we ignore it's like it's like the tip of the iceberg. The shooting is the tip of the iceberg. All the shit that went into making this is what I'm talking about. It's the root cause. You create a victim and the victim finally snaps. And then we are such a shitty society. We focus there instead of fixing the problem, the root cause. We victim blame because that person was a victim and uh, up to, they were a victim even when they after they committed the crime because they were brutalized elsewhere. So this one thing, while horrible and awful, could have been stopped a hundred times down the, the track. The United States is the neoliberal project. Let me, let me, let me put this up there. The United States is the neoliberal project. And thank you, Scutch Blowbomb. Thank you so much uh, up here. I want to get back to this, though. <laughs> so the United States was born on this whole idea of freedom. It was born on bootstraps. It was born on individualism, etc. We were out there clearing land. We were out there killing Indians. We're doing all kinds of stuff that we didn't think twice about as we colonized and took over this country, committed genocide on First Nations people. And ever since then, we destroyed black and brown people through chattel slavery, through, you know, reconstruction and Jim Crow. We destroyed them. Then we hung them. We have been a violent, shitty nation for an awful long time. And FDR, when he put forward the New Deal, when he put forward the New Deal, you know, you saw some really great things happen. But the untold story with the New Deal is there was a lot of black and brown folk who were left behind, who were excommunicated and left out in the cold. We had Japanese and internment camps. We've always been this kind of nation. It's been worse in different ways. But now what's happened is that. The pressure. See, capitalism can survive on this little area at first. Whatever that little area is, whether it be industrialization or whatever. And then as they maximize and saturate that market and it can't grow anymore, they need to privatize more. Because if they don't privatize more, then there's not going to be more capital profit. Okay. And so as they privatize the next tier, they expand more. 
And this is what happens when capital starts pushing to the edges. It used to be just them poor black people. You could get you all know, them ne'er do good black people, right? But now all of a sudden, capital's run out of black people to suck up and destroy. It's going into white territory now, right? They've they've graduated from just the black and brown folk to the next tier of white folk. And capital will keep doing this thing. This is neoliberalism, the privatization scheme. It's like waves, shock waves. Okay, we've run out of it this time. Now we've got to shake it up again and we've got to create the next market. And then we run out of that, we shake it up again and we make the next market. And it keeps happening. You start seeing the desperation of the people that once had and have no more. And as that grows and grows and grows, the chances grow exponentially that all those weapons start getting used. They start getting used. I don't know how to say this in a way that will make anybody take this and go home and and think about it other than just to try. We have lived in a period of austerity now since Milton Friedman, Friedrich Hayek, the Mount Pelerin Society, the John Birch. I mean, we have watched libertarians who I see a lot of alt media and other edgy lefties embrace. And those individuals advance these perverse individualistic ideas, these ideas that literally make us makers and takers on our own, a country of one, individuals, selfish. And when you don't do good, it's okay because after all, you just made bad decisions and it's always going to funnel through like that, my friends. It's always going to funnel through. And as that capitalist thing goes and starts to stretch up, those same libertarians are going to get swept up and they've got weapons. Just count on it. I mean, seriously, just count on this happening. This is what is happening. And this is what's going to continue to happen. We're exporting. The reason why it's not happening in those other nations is because they're still starting with a small industrial base. As capitalism and neoliberalism takes over their public services that they've known and loved for hundreds of years that are going to be washed away as a result of us spreading our number one export, neoliberalism, to their shores. The IMF, the International Monetary Fund, is a fund the United States put together with a number of other nations right after the end of World War II. And the goal was to help develop nations so that they would not get sucked in under communism. It was all a direct affront to Joseph Stalin. And as a result of that, we have been pushing neoliberal policy since then. 
And what happens is in those small developing countries, they need IMF loans to be able to purchase imports that they can't buy with their own currency because they don't have the degree of sovereignty that it would take. So they end up having to have foreign reserves, which means they have to get that foreign currency somehow or another. And that's where the loans from the IMF come in. Once they have those things, part of the where you sign the, the fine print is that you have to open up your markets completely, that you have to not protect your domestic production, and that you have to make it friendly for private interests to come in and set up shop and ultimately impose austerity programs. So what you see in the United States will start coming around the rest of the world in short order. This assuming that we get through climate change, which is another aspect that's going to create more and more and more of these kind of killings. And they're all going to be sad. And they're all going to be disgusting, tear-jerking, horrible, horrible tragedies. Every single one of them will be. Not a single one will not be a tragedy. But they're all symptoms of the deeper problems. I want you guys to think about this and take this with you. Try to consider that while the impulse is to just go after gun control and it'll do what it always does, it'll spin in circles and nothing will change. Just remember that we have allowed neoliberal austerity to literally destroy not just the United States, but the global South, Africa, Ukraine, all around the world. <laughs> and its footprint is only going to get larger. And you're going to have more and more and more of these symptoms rearing their ugly, have more children being killed. And I know of no other way to fix that than to get a large group of people that understand this and take this knowledge far and wide. Do the work, identify and learn, and then take that information and each one teach one. If people keep living in silos and don't see the system and how it interoperates with our daily lives, they're gonna be impossible for them to see how changing something that doesn't seem directly related has direct consequences. It's because they don't have a systems mind because most people don't have a systems mind. It takes years of training to have a systems mind, to understand system dynamics and understand the flows and the inputs, outputs, tools, and techniques that make a system function or not function. And we got to stop thinking that these people are just ignorant and that they don't know any better. And so therefore these politicians know they serve a different master. It isn't you and I. That's why I advocate for organizing outside of the electoral process. Not that we can't put pressure on them to do good things and hope that they uh, uh, take the pressure and act on it. But the fact is, is that they are not 
affected by the voting booth. They are not affected by the polls. Biden was told flat out, eliminate student debt. It's going to change so many lives, so many young kids that are burdened with 100,000 student debt that they'll never be able to pay off, suddenly be free. Taking that burden off of millions of people, and he didn't do it. People told him, point blank, 70% of us wanted desperately to have Medicare for all. Didn't even get a floor vote. We've been talking about a Green New Deal forever. Didn't even get part of Biden's agenda. They're not going to take us seriously until we organize seriously. And if we try to organize within the parties, if we try to organize around a candidate, as soon as their campaign is over, it's gone. And then we get back in the cycle. Is that what you want? It's not what I want. I want a consistent thing that kind of rises. I want us growing and steady doing it regardless of the election cycle because it must become the norm. It must become unacceptable to be a neoliberal. It must become the worst curse word of all time to even make an excuse for a neoliberal. Defined value in neoliberalism should be met with vitriol and rage and immediate activism. Neoliberalism is killing us all, and it will create more and more and more of these shootings. Mark my word, not because I want to be right, but because I sadly am right. And it's just a matter of getting people to get past that visceral look and feel of a gun, that tactile thing. There's a gun, there's a bullet, there's dead kids. That's the, that's the story. That's it. There's nothing further to discuss. That's not true. And I can prove it in spades. Please take a look. Just do a Google search. Austerity is social murder. Go out and look at it. Go look that up. Austerity is social murder. Please look that up. Austerity is social murder. I've been saying many in the MMT community got angry at me for standing firm. And I stand correct and I stand firm now. And for any of them that said I was wrong, I'm sorry once again to be correct. A hundred percent, not partially, one million percent correct. Austerity has always been murder. Just because we've got a study that proves it now doesn't change a thing. People didn't take my word for it. They slagged me for it. And I'm telling you, people died as a result of that. But there are studies out there that show austerity is murder. It is social murder. That is why my hash, my, my personal Twitter handle is austerity is murder. It is everything in my life. It is everything I want to stamp out. If I can be even a small part of defeating neoliberalism, that will be the win of my life. That will be the legacy. That will be the most important thing that could happen. Because it is what is driving the eco side that our in, the environment is breeding. It is what is creating the poverty. It is what is creating desperation and mental illness. It is what is creating a system that won't allow us to have a public health service. Please go out and look up. Austerity is social murder.
start incorporating this into your life, into your words, into your activism. Austerity is social murder, and it breeds murderers. It breeds people with no hope, with desperation, with mental illness. It takes people from war zones, brings them back to the states, and says, have at it. Here, why don't we make you a police officer? And all the pain and suffering that follows. It's a system that keeps us down, keeps us divided, and keeps us scapegoating each other. It's proto-fascism. And it has been warping our minds for a very, very long time. This is where you need to pull the thing off the back of your neck and see the matrix for what it is. And remember, austerity is a Democrat and a Republican thing. This is not a, a party issue. Don't start getting into the party system. This is bullshit. They both are neoliberal. One just lulls you to sleep with better bedside manners. I am Steve Grumbine with The Rogue Scholar, and I hope you guys find some peace. Remember, this is where ground zero is. If you want to make change, we must destroy neoliberalism. I'm out of here, guys. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash real progressives.